Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, April 13th, 2017, and today we're reading from the big book, and we are currently on page 25, the uh, third paragraph. It starts, if you are as seriously alcoholic as we were. Today's readers, we have Tenzin P on the 12 steps. We have Julie S. reading the 12 traditions. And the readers of the text, we have Lauren S., Katie G., and Charlene G. The, uh, the share ID for yesterday, April 12th, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 9826. That's 9826 for the 7 a.m. And for the 10 a.m. yesterday, it's 9827. 9827. The OA Preamble, Overreaders Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive reading. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA, through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. I can read. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Let me now ask Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps. Tenzin. Tenzin, we can't hear you. If you can press uh, star one. Here I am. Good morning, everyone. Tens and tea. Um, here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tenzin. Okay, let me now ask uh, Julie S. if you'd uh, read the 12 traditions for us. Julie? Hi, good morning. Can I be heard? You can. Okay. Hi, everybody. Good morning. This is Julie S., recovering compulsive overeater from Florida. Thanks for your service, Larry. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks, Julie. By the way, if if I sounded muffled before, uh, that wasn't your phone. That was me. I, I got rid of the Dixie cup, so... Hopefully you can hear me better. Um, How our meeting works, our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're going we're gonna to resume our study of the big book, and we are currently on page 25, the third paragraph. It starts, if you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, and I'm going to ask uh, Lauren S. to get us started. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning, Larry. Can you hear me? I can. 
rate. If you were as seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and if we had passed into the region and if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable, intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. Um, I'm Lauren. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, wow. This is a paragraph that I often think of because of the line, blotting out the consciousness of an intolerable situation. Um, when I was just getting into program, when I was looking for something other than the diets, many, many, many diets I'd tried, and the, the therapist and the nutritionist and the outpatient eating disorder clinic, um, I was still, I still thought it was all about the way I was eating, and I still thought it was about um, you know, something wrong with my body. When I started studying the big book with my sponsor and I realized that um, I was going to keep, you know, this abstinence thing, uh, um, I wasn't going to be able to do that um, without some sort of spiritual um, development, without making a major change. Um, for the first time, I realized that I had actually not only been um, – fat, not only been um, miserable, not only been binging, but I had been um, living a totally spiritually bankrupt life. And, you know, and to put it in the sort of most everyday terms that I would have understood, you know, I was totally disconnected from myself. I was totally disconnected from anything people call like that, you know, that guiding voice that tells you what to do. I had nothing of that. Um and I think it was realizing just how how empty I was and realizing that my only alternative was to keep eating so I wouldn't realize how empty I was. That was just so devastating to me. Um, and I had no spiritual conceptions at all. I, you know, I had no experience with spirituality. I had nothing. And so, um, because we did it because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. Like, I didn't even know what that meant. Like, I didn't even know what I was honestly wanting to do. Um, I'm just so grateful that it, it was actually enough to just be at the point where, you know, I would have my idea, my sponsor would give me her idea, and I was so done that I was like, okay, I'll try this other person's idea. Um, and, you know, I was willing to make the effort. And, and the truth was I didn't really... Um, I don't think I was capable of honestly wanting to at the time, but it was enough that I was willing to make the effort and it was enough that I was open-minded and I grabbed every idea that, that came at me from this, this telephone line or from my sponsor. So I am so grateful that I don't have to blot out the intolerable situation of my life. Like I get to actually live. I get to actually face um face life and face myself and face my actions and my thinking and um, it's so much more than not having problems with food anymore. Um, and with all past. Thanks so much, Lauren. Okay, we're going to open it up to sharing. Who would like to share on what was read? Natasha Tina S. Harlan G. Reva P. Rivka A. Natasha A. 
Okay, let me tell you who I heard so far. Here's who I heard. Here's who I heard so far. Natasha, Tina, Harlan, Riva, Rivka, and Kim. Who did I leave out? Diane. Diane. Roz. Was that Roz? Yeah, Roz R. Florida. Okay. Yeah, you see, it sounds like you're on a speakerphone. Um, who else? Okay, Moss. Okay, let's stop there. Here's who I what have page, in the story. Sure, we're on page 25, the third paragraph. Thanks. You're, you're more than welcome. Okay, here's who we have. We have Natasha, Tina, Harlan, Riva, Rivka, Kim, Diane, and Roz. And then I'll pick up a group after that. So good morning, Natasha. Is that you, Natasha? Yeah, can I be heard? You can. Thank you. Hi, this is Natasha, recovered overeater in upstate New York. Um, what sticks out for this paragraph for me is it, this is what my just, coming to reality with desperation looked like for me. In the beginning, you know, my early years of compulsive overeating, there were some solutions still, you know. There was a couple diets I hadn't tried. There was, you know, a couple of couple places I could move and didn't try and um you know as this disease progressed I did get to the there is no middle of the road solution and I remember my realization of it you know I I remember realizing that if I continued what I was going to do I was going to die an early death and that's where I found I found myself in the middle of the road and I could either continue what I wanted to do blotting out the all the pain and with the food and just keep going and probably something would take me pretty early or I had the option to um, pick up the easy not easy but the simple step work and um, yeah and then you know it says we did this because we honestly wanted to and that was my desperation it was realizing that if I didn't do this I was going to die I honestly wanted to and I see a lot of people who come in a program and they're not really accepted that if they don't do this, they're going to die. And that's a really hard place to be. You know, I've had a lot of sponsees, and that's a hard place to be when you're not realizing that this is life and death for you. Because for me, I know, honestly, in my situation, I know that it was the desperation that drove me to get better because I admitted myself to myself that I was going to die if I didn't do it. So I accepted the spiritual help because I didn't want to go on to the bitter end blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation. You know, I had a light in front of me. I knew there was something out there for me. So I picked up the simple solution, and I'm so glad I did that. And um, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Natasha. Okay, we have Tina next, followed by Harlan. Tina, good morning. Thanks, Larry, for your service. Uh, Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. What a great paragraph. Uh, you know, I initially, you know, when I first came in, um, it was back in 1987, and I and I had a really hard time with stuff like this. You know, uh, I certainly did not have a hard time that um, life was impossible, for sure, for sure. But I thought somehow, some way, someday, that I could manage my life, uh, that I could take care of my 
my eating problem, which I thought I had, as opposed to my living problem. And um, and so for m- many years, I tried to do this. And, you know, and, and I read the big book. You know, I read it like a, a novel. I remember the last time I came in, a sponsor said, this is like a textbook, not a novel. And what a different perception I had when I read the black on the white uh, instead of like a, a romantic novel, which made no sense to me whatsoever. And, and when I started to study this stuff, you know, I, it was still hard, you know, to make a choice between, you know, going on to the bitter end or accepting spiritual help. I mean, my God, you know, that had failed me for many years. The spiritual, which I uh, at that time equated to religion, which today is not the case for me for sure. And, um, you know, and I'd already been to the bitter end for me. You know, I hope that it's the case today, you know, because I wanted to die for many years. You know, I wanted to die and, and I was mad that I was still waking up in the morning. And, you know, one of the things that I know today, I also wanted to comment on this last sentence. We this we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. The last, by the last time I got here, I honestly wanted to and I was willing to make the effort. It's the last house on the block for me. You know, I had tried every other place. I had tried human aid for years because I thought it was somebody else's responsibility to fix me. Well, today, you know, the good news is, and I'm really grateful that it's not somebody else's responsibility. I am responsible for myself today. I'm responsible for my recovery today. I'm responsible how I live my life one day at a time, and I choose to do this deal. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Tina. Okay, we have Harlan followed by Reva. Good morning, Harlan. Thank you, Larry Kay. Thank you for your service. Thank you to Team Thursday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. I love bottom lines. I love inclusion. My mind works that way. It always has. And for me, this is the bottom line. I can either go on eating Reese's peanut butter cups and Kit Kat bars and be lonely and be miserable, miserable physically. I can't get up out of a chair. I can't sit down. I can't get up. I can't get in a car. I can't get out of a car. I can't go to the movies because I can't sit in the seat. I can't buy clothes at the store. I have to, well, I I can buy clothes at the store, but it has to be, the biggest of the biggest tall men's and tall men's store, and then I have to have it altered by my friend, the dry cleaner. I have to stink. I have to pee in my pants. I can't walk down the street without people laughing at me. I'm a walking sideshow. My food habit in the 1970s, not my cocaine habit, not my heroin habit, not my hooker habit, my food habit in the 1970s, is about 100 to $150 a day. I can't walk. I can't sleep laying in a bed. I have to sleep in a chair. My edema is through the ceiling. I have pus running in and out of, running out of my calves of my legs. I have penny and dime-sized ulcers in the back of my legs where the pus runs out. And still, I wanted to do it my way. I have two alternatives. I I like to make things simple. Two alternatives. I can go on living that way until my heart explodes and I die, which I did not want to live for a long time, or I can accept spiritual help. 
Now, for me, I did not want to, and I was not willing to make the effort. I wanted to stop living in the pain that I was in, and I was not willing to make the effort because willingness didn't hit me. What I did was I started taking action and action and action and action, which I saw was working in other people, and when it began working in me, then I became willing, and then I embraced the effort that I was making. For me, this is it. Bottom line, I can live in the food until I die, and then I will never have lived. Or I can live until I die by embracing God, embracing a spiritual way of life, through the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, in a book called Alcoholics Anonymous, in a fellowship called Overeaters Anonymous, And today I live free of the food and I am able to do so miraculously through the steps and happily. And I do not fight the world and I do not have to fight food. And today I'm not on a diet. I'm not fighting the world. Thank you, God, for Overeaters Anonymous. And thank you for being on the line. You are my lifeline here in Vision for You. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Harlan. Okay, next we have Reva followed by Ripka. Reva, good morning. Good morning. It's Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Uh, What struck me this morning is the two ifs. If I am a real compulsive overeater and if I have reached my bottom and everybody's bottom is different, Um, and I've reached that point from which there is no return through human aid, then I can face these two choices, only two doors, door number one or two. It's either the food or the steps. So I love that reminder, and I love the line in the first step of the AA 12 and 12 that reminds me that few people will sincerely try to practice this program unless they've hit bottom, because practicing... Always remaining 11 steps means the adoption of attitudes and actions that almost no real compulsive overeater who is still overeating can dream of taking. Um, so I have to have those two criteria. And then what I really love is the uh, term intolerable situation. And that reminds me that it was intolerable when I was in the food. And it's intolerable if I'm abstinent only. And it has to be intolerable Um, and then um, I have to want it and I have to actually do something I have to take the action there's an end there and if I just want it but I don't make the effort I'm going to get zero Um, and you know even today living in 10 11 and 12 it has to be intolerable to be um, emotionally upset to motivate me um, Actually, I don't know if I need to be motivated. I just have to know that I'm uncomfortable, restless, irritable, discontent, agitated, doubtful, whatever I want to call it, and I have to make the effort. Um, I can't think my way out of it, um, but I can act my way out of it by taking the steps to then feel peaceful, and I am amazed, just amazed that doing this, um, especially the Step 10 turnarounds and then 11 and 12 
um, how it really turns things around. Um, it, it's all about the action. Um, and with that, I pass. Thanks, Riva. Okay, next we have Rivka followed by Diane. Rivka, good morning. Well, good morning, Larry Kay. Thank you so much for your service. My name is Rivka, Rivka A, a recovered compulsive overeater here in Israel. And uh, good morning to all the listeners. And I just wanted to share on um, the, oh, I lost my page here. Okay, 25. I want to share a little bit about the uh, serious uh, alcoholic. For me, the serious compulsive overeater at the time um, that I was living in the middle of the road. So you can see at the point of middle of the road life, um, I'm not in harmony with anybody. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm inconsistent. I may try to move forward a little bit, you know, still trying to edge my way through life. Um, still um, just irritation, restless, irritable discontentment, um, just riding the fence on this, you know, always trying to figure out, you know, scheming, planning, arranging my life to fit the situation, um, believing that, you know, my appearances, and because I was not um, severely uh, obese, that I was uh, under the, the, the wire, uh, in my own case, uh, four foot ten and uh, about 110 pounds, uh, that this was okay that I believe that even though I was compulsively overeating, that it was okay for me to once in a while uh, to relieve the tension, restless, irritable discontent. This was, this was my, uh, my way of getting the relief. I thought this was the solution. I thought that this middle of the road lifestyle was the solution. And I uh, couldn't admit step one of being powerless over uh, compulsive overeating. Uh, over this world, uh, over my life being unmanageable. I couldn't admit to that. It was always blamed towards the other person, the other situation. The disturbance didn't always begin with me. And I had no part to play in that, you know. Um, I couldn't be honest. I couldn't be willing. And, uh, you know, having come into this program, realizing that I was really getting exhausted, you know, playing the double life, the double role in life, you know, trying to get by, by appearances only, you know, living miserably inside, unhappy, um, you know, just blaming and, and uh, feeling shameful, uh, anxious, worried all the time, you know, fear, just built on resentment and fear. This was my life. But coming into this program, admitting, crawling in and admitting, hey, I am powerless. I need help. I'm asking for help. And admitting that the way I was thinking about uh, spirituality was about religion because I had all that. You couldn't tell me anything different. But I had to admit that I didn't know anything. I really didn't. I didn't know that there was another way, another, another simple way of handling my compulsive uh, overeating addiction. And so, um, you know, the 12 steps, getting a sponsor, getting in the fellowship, making phone calls, uh, interacting, helping another you know, um, working the steps on a daily basis. These are the things that keep me spiritually fit. Um, you know, uh, physical fitness is great to an extent, but spiritual fitness is even better. And I, I set the bar with a measurement of my spiritual, my spiritual life. You know, how am I on a daily basis? Every day is a new day to live according to God's will and the plan that's been outlined in this book, the big book. 
the answer. The, the big book is set up in three parts. There's the problem, the solution, and then there's a spiritual program of action. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Larry Kay. This is Rivka A. Thanks, Rivka. Okay, we have Diane uh, followed by Roz. Good morning, Diane. Hi, this is Diane, um, a compulsive operator and bulimic. Um, I was at death's door when I came in. Um, I had been in OA for 40 years, and I could not maintain any kind of abstinence. And um, I was told about vision for you um, through a walking testimony of somebody, and I saw the change in her, and I couldn't believe it. And um, as a result of it, I started listening to Vision for You. And as we're reading this paragraph here, I'm seeing some very pertinent words that stick out for me. And some of them are um, seriously alcoholic, impossible, bitter end, intolerable situation. Um, that's kind of how I felt. Um, I just... I just was at the end of my rope. Um, I felt suicidal. Um, I had no solution at all. Um, there was just no hope at all. Um, I just felt like, you know, I was going to go on to the better end, and um, I had no kind of relationships because um, I was just so sick. Um and, you know, there was no middle-of-the-road solution for me. I had to get abstinence or die. And part of the way that I would get abstinent was to go into psychiatric hospitals and spend a week or two there so I'd be away from the food and I wouldn't eat. And then I'd get out and I'd stay abstinent for a week or two and then go back to the food. And so this was my way of life. And today I don't have to live that way. Today I, I just did a fifth step with my sponsor. And um, I have seven weeks of recovery. And I'm so grateful for every single day. It's just a miracle. Um, I'm so grateful. Yesterday I thought about food a little bit. And the second thought was, I don't want to go back there. And I'm so grateful. Thank you. I pass. Thanks so much. <clears throat> okay, so we have uh, Roz followed by Julie. Then we'll open it up to everyone else. Roz, good morning. Good morning, Larry Kay. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Thank you for your service. And um grateful to be here. This is Roz R. from Florida, a recovered compulsive overeater. It chokes me up because I never thought I'd say that. Because um, I've experienced abstinence through the years. Um, thin body through the years, but never the emotional sobriety that I have. And what I wanted to share today was in this reading where it says um, uh, about to, uh, the other as to accept spiritual help, you know, to be in an intolerable situation or to accept spiritual help. Um, I started getting really scared over the last week. I have been feeling restless, irritable, and discontent. And I've been doing 10 steps and I've been calling people and I've been praying and praying and wondering why isn't God answering my prayers. And I had the most miraculous thing happen to me yesterday that it's like, you know, I've been praying and praying and praying. And yet, you know, I haven't really been acting in a certain, in a certain circumstance in my life in a way God would have me be. And I really felt like, well, that doesn't make a difference. You know, I am in every other way. 
And um, I guess I I pray, but, you know, I really realize that when we pray to God, we still have to do our, our work. And I guess in this particular area, I wasn't doing my work. And so, oh, I forgot to set my timer. Darn. Um, but uh, wait, I'm going to set it, and you can tell me. I'll I got you. No worries. Okay. Okay. But anyway, um, I got a phone call, and I was talking to a recovered uh, person in AA, and um, I started to hear uh, something about what he was sharing um, about something that uh, I've been doing, and that opened up one door for me. And I, I went to a therapist yesterday, and um, I don't know for some reason. I left there, and I had this boom that took place that I cannot even believe, and it was like this change in my thoughts, change in my edge, like the set-aside prayer. I've been saying the set-aside prayer. Nothing's been happening. But my openness wasn't there. I didn't have the channel open to God. You know, I was still doing certain things my way. I haven't been ethical in a certain way. I haven't been honest in a certain way. I haven't been authentic. I haven't been being the rise that God would have me be in this particular situation. And the willingness, the awareness came, and it believe me, it did not come from me because I have not been able to do that. And, and all of a sudden, you know, I was hearing different things yesterday. Be the love you want. You know, be the kindness that you want. Be the honest person that you want people to be with you. You know, be, you be who you want other people to be because I have not been in certain things. And, and by me not being authentic or honest or maybe avoiding the truth in, in this particular situation, um, I started to not like myself, and I didn't know what was happening. And I, when restless, irritable, and discontent popped up, I opened the big book, and I got really scared because I said, you know what, this is going to take me back to the food. And I can't go back to the food because my life is so amazing right now. And so this change came, and it's like from being so upset for the last week or two, the peace that I have right now. I mean, I just never believed that that God would do for me what I couldn't do for myself. I've seen it for everyone else, but I didn't know I'd ever experienced, you know. And it's like profound, and I'm like deeply emotional about it because um, it just changed everything in my in my consciousness, and and I realized. I cannot be the person I was and stay sober. I cannot. And in order to change God, God has to enter. And in order for God to enter, I have to be open and willing. And I became open and willing yesterday. And the change happened, like, boom. So I just wanted to share that because people who know me and who have been listening to me, and you're one of them, Larry, (laughs) um, there has been a profound change. It's amazing. So thank you so much for your service, and thank you for allowing me to share. Okay. Thanks, Roz. Okay, we have Julie. It's only 4.30 out there. What are you doing up? Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Larry. Thank you. This is Julie, our recovered compulsive overeater. You know, the first sentence, it says, if you are seriously alcoholic, as we were. And, you know, a couple pages before, it talks about, you know, the moderate drinker or the real alcoholic, you know, so what is that? Well, that, you know, it's that bottom feeder, if, if you will. I mean, choosing food over my children, over my husband, over family, over friends, um, inability to stop the thousands of dollars on, on weight loss gimmicks and continuing to do that for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35 years and still thinking that that's an option. You know, there there is no middle-of-the-road solution. I mean, there's nothing else. It's either I'm going to die from this alcoholic death. For me, it's food. 
or I am going to thrive in that fourth dimension that we heard about before. And by living my life based on a set of principles, um, that once I go through the steps and I'm living and I'm growing, continually growing in the steps, that I will not want the food. And I'm going to be happy about it. You hear several people say that, you know, yeah, I'm neutral with the food and it's okay. I don't need or want these things that used to uh, drive my life. And it's like, how does that happen? It doesn't happen out of me because I spent all those years trying to um, change uh, the books. I mean, I could have opened up a used bookstore. I could have um, started my own gym with the amount of money that I spent. All the uh, gym equipment I bought, all these things, trying, 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 Julie trying to fix. And you know what? None of it worked. There's only one way that I'm able to not pick up the food. And that is by having a spiritual experience, which we read about yesterday. And time and time again, it's the only thing that's proven. It's like, you know, I am so free, but I know that I could become that serious alcoholic again if I let up on my spiritual um, practices each day. So, for you know, if you're new and you're wondering why we're talking about all this stuff, it's because this is, you know, why did I eat? You know, why did I turn to food for my, my higher power? Well, I turned to it because I didn't know how to live. And now it's like, you know, I had that freedom. I had the freedom just to, to, to live and to thrive. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Julie. All right, who else would like to share? Carly C. Katie D. Melinda you call me later if you have a step 10 okay but I got you on the end here because someone's going to call me Carlisa I heard you I heard Katie G I heard Leah I heard Julie I heard Barbara and Melinda and I left someone out who did I leave out Julia. Next to R, Carrie Ann. Barbara E also Julia C Barbara E Carrie Ann Barbara I had you in there and I had Melinda Nessa Julie uh, thank you and who else? Monica. Ann. All right, Carrie. Um, you know what? Because of the time frame, so sorry. So I have Carlisa, Katie, Leah, Julie, Barbara, Melinda, Nessa, and Carrie. And we'll see where we are there. Carlisa, you're up. Thank you, Larry, for your service. Carlisa recovered in BC. Um, two. I love this paragraph, I'm sure, for all the reasons we've talked about, but I want to talk about the two conditions at the end of the paragraph, um, which is this we did because we honestly wanted to. That's number one condition. <laughs> number two, we're, and we're willing to make the effort. Um, to be honest, I th- I, when I came into fellowship and many, many years before that, my stated purpose was to eat like a lady, you know, that I wanted to have all the food I wanted to have and the amounts I wanted to have, when I wanted to have it, and how I had wanted to have it, but without the ill effects. The uh, I'd still like certain of the effects, though, and the book talks very candidly and openly about that, the effect of being able to blot out the present moment the effect of being able to silence the voices that were in my head and outside of my head making comments on 
on me and my life and the world around it. And uh and so I um I had to come to terms with, with whether I honestly wanted to stop eating compulsively or did I just want to stop the negative consequences. And if I honestly wanted to stop, that that meant I had to concede to my innermost self that I was seriously alcoholic in mind, that I had a physical allergy, which lifts fairly um, fairly quickly, but the mental obsession can go on a lifetime, <laughs> especially if I don't renew my mind and reframe things, which is why I studied with you all. And the second part, we're willing to make the effort because <clears throat> if I'm not willing to go to any lengths, just not make a, a little bit of effort, but to go to any lengths to be better, I'm in serious trouble. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Larry. Thanks so much. Okay, we have Katie G followed by Leah. Katie, good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. Good morning, Larry. Can I be heard? You can. Larry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry to you. I got anxious. <laughs> okay. okay. Hey, guys. It's Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic, starting my timer. Um, you guys are awesome. I love the sharing today. And the thing that really caught me was um, like a middle of the road solution. So what is middle of the road? Like straight down the middle, like not offending anyone. I looked it up in my dictionary and it's like not taking an, um, like a strong stance, right? So for me, um, you know, they're talking about have I accepted that I am a serious, am I, am I seriously a compulsive overeater? Seriously, severe, extreme badly damned like am I convinced that my disease is so bad that I have to take an extreme position you know like if I God forbid if I had an extreme form of cancer I would not go to diet doctor right like I would show up and I would show up and I would be there and I would be present with the doctor and I would take the the suggestions and I would follow them each and every day but what is middle of the road program for me middle of the road program for me for a long time well you know I'm I'm kind of sort of abstinent for me you know abstinence is black and white like you're either pregnant or you're not you're either abstinent or you're not it's very clear for me or you know I made a few amends but you know what like I got busy with the rest of my life like grad school is really important husband is really important this is really important for me for I'm I'm an extreme compulsive overeater like my life has to fit into my program my program can't fit into my life Um, I'm sort of doing service you know Um, Maybe I'm unclear on my step work. Um, And for me, it it reminds me of this like softening, right? So like we come in and we're in relapse and oh my God, it's so hard. It's so painful. Someone save me. And of course it says, you know, there's no return through human aid, but like sponsor, help me. And then we start getting a few days of abstinence, right? And then we're like, well, how bad is that compulsive overeating really? Like how bad, how you know what, or, you know, we've done the steps, right? Oh, well, I'm done with the steps, KDG. Like, I'm done with the steps, and I've completed them. I cognitively don't understand completing the steps because 
The book promises me if I don't live in 10, 11, and 12, if I'm not sorry for my actions and I don't live in the principles, eating will be a step up, right? So I am just here this morning with all of you because I need to keep the fire in my belly. I need to remember that this is a life and death situation. This is an extreme, serious, bad, you know, bad disease that is going to get me um, if I don't every day stay out of the middle of the road. Go for my extreme action because I want a thousand percent God today. So I'm just going to keep doing it for one more day with all of you. And thank you guys. With that, I pass. Thanks, Katie. Okay, we have Leah followed by Julie. Leah, good morning. Thank you, Larry. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could. You know, as my disease progressed, and it was very uh, voracious, a um, couple of decades there of my life, um, it became clear that the intolerable situation for me was abstinence only. Um, because I continued to put down the food, and yet I continued to need to pick up that first bite to succumb to the obsession of the mind, blotting out the consciousness, and picking up the food was blotting out the consciousness of my intolerable situation, which was abstinence only, a life based on abstinence only. Um, you know, under that heavy anesthetic of compulsive overeating, there was a numbness. There was an anesthetic, uh, you know, relief, a desperate attempt to allevi- alleviate the pain of life. I, I, I had a rough time living. I had, life was just very painful for someone like me. I was a very good compulsive overeater. I did that very, very well. But the truth was, when I was abstinence only, even though I was perhaps temporarily no longer a slave to the food, yet enslavement still threatened me. You know, the text has a part on page 51, which I always love. It says, leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. The big book in that place is no longer talking about alcohol, no longer talking about food for someone like me. Food had nothing to do with it, yet it was about how I was living my life that I was still enslaved by self. That's where I needed the remedy of a spiritual solution. I needed the remedy of these 12 steps because more than my compulsive overeating had to be arrested, my own philosophy, my ideas, my beliefs, my attitudes, the prism through which I looked at life had to be confronted and overhauled because otherwise life was too painful and I kept being, uh, you know, forced by the obsession of the mind to pick up in order to seek that ease and comfort. It was like uh, using my hand in order, you know, to have the guise of, of some comfort there. You know, abstinence only, which is what I was practicing even within the first five years of being an Overeaters Anonymous, was like treating compulsive overeating with a diet, was, with a diet. And that was like putting a Band-Aid on a gut, gunshot wound. 
The treatment was not adequate for the condition. Someone in whom the problem had been solved brought this text to life. My disease continued to turn the screws on me. The text continued to turn the screws on me. People in whom the problem had been solved turned the screws on me, wrapping up, and it became obvious there was no door number three anymore for someone like me. I had to choose spiritual help in order to be released, and with that, I pass. Thanks, Leah. Okay, we have Julie followed by Barbara. Julie, good morning. Hi, good morning. Can I be heard? You can. Okay, great. Thanks, Larry. Um, good morning, everybody. I'm Julie, compulsive overeater in Florida, recovering, currently on step nine. Um, what jumps out at me when I read this is the serious alcoholic. Um, when I first came into OA and spent three and a half years in OA, I did not feel I was as serious a compulsive overeater as everybody else in the rooms. And um, my lack of um, progress in program reflected it. And my evidence for this was the fact that I would hear that people ate out of garbage cans, ate frozen food with tinfoil on them, and I didn't do that. Um, Yet, um, I ate uh, everything off the plates before they went in the garbage can. So in a sense, I was eating what would have been put right in the garbage can before it went in there. Um, I heard people stealing food, and I never stole food, so I wasn't as serious as everybody else. Um, Yet, um, that's not true either, because when my kids would come home with their Halloween candy and they went to bed, I went and stole their Halloween candy and didn't tell them about that. Um, I wasn't morbidly obese. I only had 30 pounds to lose. And, you know, other people had 100 pounds to lose, so I wasn't as serious as everybody else. Well, guess what? That 30 pounds quickly turned to 50 and 60 pounds to lose, um, even in, in OA. Um, you know, when, when I found out last June that I was uh, pre-diabetic because of an elevated hemoglobin A1C, um, that still didn't uh, get me to shift my program. I thought for sure, well, now I'm, it's affecting my health. So now I really have to focus on this stuff. But no, that didn't work either. You know, what what happened to me was, um, thank you, God. Someone told me about listening in on this um, vision calls. I got a vision sponsor. I became abstinent. I started working the program. And my, my talk started to change. Instead of talking all the time about my food plan, I started to talk about um, my my behavior. And that's how I noticed that that my program started to shift. Um, after talking about my, my behavior and what I wanted, I started to think about, well, what does God want for me? What is God's will for me? And now, today, working my amends, I am actually thinking, how can I help others? What can I do today for others? Thank you, God. I am recovering. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. Okay, we move on to Barbara, followed by Melinda, if we can get it in. Barbara? Hi, this is Barbara E. in New Jersey. Thank you so much. Um, Abstinence, yes. Recovered, no. I came, I spent the first 53 years of my life trying every single diet that I could find and always losing weight but never keeping it off. I came into OA in 1997 and yes, I've been blessed. I have been abstinent ever since, but not cured. My emotional sobriety is what I need to work on on a daily basis because if not, 
I realize my compulsive overeating can come back. This is contingent on my diligently working the steps, becoming the person I want to be, and to rid myself of my character defects, my, my fear of being found out as unworthy, acting superior to cover up that I feel less than by using the tools of sarcasm, um, hearing judgment in what everyone else is saying, being argumentative, even the fact that I hear on this wonderful um, speaker meeting that someone's lost 500 pounds or 300 pounds. I've only lost 130. I'm fe- I feel like I haven't done enough. That's crazy thinking. God does not create junk. Therefore, I am not junk. So I must continue to work the steps. And I, too, relate to uh, the person who was talking about her friend. Fifteen years ago, my friend was diagnosed with cancer and had to have radical surgery and what seemed like an endless period of therapy. Eventually, she was pronounced cancer-free. She was recovered. But nevertheless, she was told she had to go back to the oncologist for a yearly medical review as she would never be able to say she was cured. The cancer could come back, but for that day, at that moment, she was joyfully recovered. For me, being recovered means my problems in terms of my abstinence is over, but it's only contingent, as I said, on my working the steps every day. A relapse would be a return of the condition, and I, I believe that my thinking determines my destiny And if I can change how I think about myself, I can act more tolerantly, kindly to others. And I must always think about that. Otherwise, the compulsive overeating can return and I can go back to 12 sizes that I have gone down during the 20 years I've been in OA. Thank you all and I pass. Thanks so much. Okay, Melinda, you're going to wrap us up for for a couple minutes or so. Yes, thank you. This is Melinda H. in Virginia, and I'm really just kind of not kind of. I am. I'm exasperated with myself. Um, I've been in O regular OA since 2004. I've been up 110 pounds. I lost a lot, um, started vision or started listening to vision about two months ago and then got one sponsor, was not willing to do what she asked, uh, got another sponsor, started working with her, would be abstinent a couple of days and would eat again. And I thought, I guess here's the... I guess I guess here's the crux of the program, uh, problem. Uh, I had like eight days abstinence, and I thought I was uh, was okay. I was out of the woods, and in the middle of the night, I ate again. And I feel like she's going to drop me, and I don't. 
I don't want to find another bottom. Uh, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to go to another bottom. And I don't. I don't know. I don't know what else to do. I know I must change somehow, but I don't know what else to do. We were. My sponsor and I are in the very, very beginnings. Um, we've been through doctor's opinion and Bill's story several times because of my eating. And um, to this evening, we were to start. There is a solution, but I don't know what's going to happen now since I emailed her and told her that I ate last night. I have to take a lot of medication at night. Um, I do not feel like I am in a conscious state of mind in the night when I eat. Um, I don't feel like my um, normal wits are about me. Uh, and maybe that's reminder. just an, okay. Thank you. Maybe that's just an excuse. Anyway, um, I need help. And do I get? Can I give my number now, or how does that work? Um, we, if you stick around for the second hour, you can give your numbers tons and tons of people. You have that opportunity. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks so much. All right. You know, thank you, everyone, who has shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. Uh, the share ID for today, the 7 a.m. meeting, is 9835. That's 9835. So we're not going to close from uh, close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Katie, would you be able to read uh, page 164? I can, Larry. Thank you. Good morning. Katie, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic, and so great to hear everybody today. Thanks for your service. A vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each man each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.